0: It is always nice to be welcomed back so warmly and richly when I, you've been gone for a little while, as I was this morning. I said, uh, while I was greeting some people, I was back there, and I said, you know, I, I think I may have put on a little weight during, uh, during vacation, and my wonderful secretary says, it wasn't the vacation that did it. to well, speak the truth in love. <laughs> I am incredibly blessed. Now, you might think that I'm saying that because I just came back from a beach vacation during which our middle daughter let us know to be expecting another grandchild. And you wouldn't be wrong. That is probably the second most amazing thing which can happen to a person learning of their descendants coming arrival. But it's not top of the heap. You might think that I'm saying that I'm incredibly blessed because I'm in my mid-50s and thus far have had no serious health issues for the majority of my life. And even if I do have a health issue. I have really good medical insurance through my wife's work and we live in the country with the best health care in the history of human life. And if you assume that I'm saying I'm blessed because of that, you wouldn't be wrong. You might think that I'm saying that I'm incredibly blessed because I have a comfortable life with a nice home and a good vocation and church living in the most financially fruitful country in the history of human life. And again, you would not be wrong. You might be thinking that I'm saying that I'm really blessed because of my devastating good looks, my brilliant mind which is capable of doing basic math correctly almost three quarters of the time. And you would be wrong. If, however, you thought that any or all of those reasons are the totality or even the main reasons for me to be saying that I'm incredibly blessed, well, then you would indeed be wrong. You see, those are all good. Those are all wonderful things for which I am incredibly grateful. In fact, those things are fantastic. But they are things on which we concentrate when our minds are focused on the temporary and the earthly aspects of life. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying when I say that. We should not ever discount or negate those things merely because they're not as spiritual as other things. I think sometimes churchy folks can do that And I think sometimes that it does not resonate very well with those who don't know God. When we try to poo-poo or downplay the worldly blessings that we have and try to be more spiritual than that. In fact, I think if we can get too churchy and otherworldly, it can make those who don't know the Lord unattracted to the gospel. Like it just, it just doesn't come across very well if we're discounting all of those physical blessings we enjoy. I want to go through a passage today that's going to help us to understand, I think, a little bit of how our mindset should be focused. We're going to be in 1 Chronicles and I want to give you a little bit of background. The Ark of the Covenant had been captured and taken by the Philistines. And then after it was returned through actions of God, it had been brought by uh, David to Jerusalem, or at least he tried to bring it to Jerusalem. And it got messed up because he didn't follow the instructions in Scripture about how to go about doing that there was a, just a disaster somebody died during it because they weren't doing things properly and so they were a little upset about that but david's response was to go back and look at how he should have been doing things and do it properly and on the second time they were wildly successful and the ark was brought to jerusalem and everybody was just ecstatic over the situation so turn with me to first chronicles Chapter 16. And we're going to read verses 8 through 10. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among his people, among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. There's considerable debate about this passage and the rest of this song that's listed there that goes throughout the rest of that chapter the three different sections of it are almost identical. The the song that's listed here in, in 1 Chronicles 16, the three different parts of the song are almost identical to three different psalms that are listed in the book of Psalms. The conflicting ideas by modern theologians is that the chronicler, the person who composed the book after the return to Jerusalem from the exile in Babylon, that he took the three long existing passages, like he went back to the, the, the book of Psalms and he grabbed pieces out of that and made them into one new one, which would not only suit the situation that he's recording the, the bringing of the ark to Jerusalem. But it would also have fit really well into the situation in which he was writing. During the time that he was writing, the exiles had come back from Babylon, and he would have put this together in a way that just fit that situation extremely well also. That's one view of how this passage is. The other view is that this is indeed a song put together by David for this specific occasion and sung at that time. That David put this together and sang it for that occasion just as it's recorded in Chronicles. He could very easily have either taken the parts of other songs and made a medley of sorts with songs they already knew. Or he could have written this for this time, this, this song, and then later on in his life said, hey, you know what? I could take the three parts of that song, separate them out, and make three completely different songs out of that. That's entirely possible. People do that today as well. Personally, I don't really care whether it was David wrote it specifically for this situation, or if the chronicler, hundreds of years later, harvested parts of what David did write, put them together, and set them in this passage. Recently, country singer Luke Combs did a cover of the really great but sad song from the 80s called Fast Car. And there was a little bit of a hubbub when it first came out and did extremely well. But that hubbub died away for two reasons. Number one was that Tracy Chapman, who wrote the song, said she was absolutely thrilled that he did this cover and was really happy to see it doing so well in the country charts. And number two There's not one person that I can imagine over 25 years old who doesn't know that Luke Combs didn't write this song that Tracy Chapman did and brought it out 30 years ago and it was great back then. It doesn't matter who's singing it. We all know that Tracy Chapman was the author. With this passage in 1 Chronicles, it isn't a mystery. Oh, by the way, just to let you know, Last night when I was reading through uh, my sermon, getting ready for today, and I was getting to this part right here, I'm sitting at my desk, and I had been kind of singing the song in my head, fast car, and all of a sudden, without me really thinking about what I'm doing, I kind of blurted out the next passage in that song, and I started singing it. I'm sitting at my desk, and I hear my wife yell from the other room, what was that? I said, "I'm singing." She said, "I thought you were hurt." <laughs> Have you ever noticed I'm not on the praise team? She thought I had hurt myself somehow. Anyway, where was I? Did David write this passage and then change it a bit between wh- where we see it here and someone? Or did someone later take several of those songs and put them together in a slightly different way? It doesn't matter. We know who the author was. In fact, we know who both the authors were. David and the Holy Spirit. But let's say, for argument's sake, that the chronicler, the person who assembled what we read in the books of First and Second Chronicles, Let's say that he did it this way. That he took existing psalms and put them together in a new way. And that almost, to me anyway, makes it better. Why would it be better? Well, it says that something's okay, which we do anyway. And maybe we don't think it's appropriate that we should be doing it. You see, the way that this song is put together in the book of 1 Chronicles as a medley of three other psalms and then a few really tiny changes, the way it is applied does something that's really special. It helps it to more directly apply to the people who were worshiping God in the time of the return from Babylon. They had been in captivity. They had been among the pagans, living there for 70 years, and they came back to a devastated Jerusalem, and they were rebuilding the temple, and they were wanting to sing out the praises to God, and the way that this is put together helps it to apply to their situation even better than it would have separately. Now, I want us to be careful here and not think that I said that this does something that it doesn't and that I'm saying that that's okay. I did not say that they altered Scripture and changed its meaning to apply it to current times. I'm not saying they did that. I said that they put different aspects of Scripture together and added a few words so that the people of that time could see that not only did this apply to long-dead people from hundreds of years before, but it also applied to them personally in their situation. That the Scripture that even to them was ancient was absolutely still applicable to what they were going through. It did this while at the same time remaining true to the original meaning of the passages in how it's used. It takes something that uh, it would be the equivalent of if we took a song from 500 years ago, And brought it forward and showed how it applied to today's situations. Except that this is with God's love. This is with God's promises to his people. We take scripture from hundreds of years ago. And we apply it to modern situations. In fact, I'm doing it right now. We take this passage here and a passage there, and we build a sermon out of it and see how they work together to apply in a new context, but remaining true to its original meaning. Not altering what it says, not making it, not twisting the scripture to fit our current modern wants. But showing how Scripture is eternal and it may apply equally as well to us now as it did to those who've been dead for thousands of years. I really want the people of today to see how words that may have originally been penned by inspired people from thousands of years ago and see that it is still fresh and applicable to the trials and tribulations and the situations that we go through today as much as it did to them back then. This isn't some dead, dusty book. This is something that applies to our lives every single day. And if, in fact, it was a cover, so to speak, of David's original and it has something neat in it that we're experiencing right now. It applied when David wrote it. It applied when the chronicler reapplied it to that situation after the exile. And it applies to you and I today. Just exactly the same. And what is it that applies so well? that we can pull it out like an awesome 80s song and use it any time to still touch people. What is it that's so amazing? It is a passage which commends the people of God to sing his praises in front of the whole world for them to see how much we love him for what he's done in our lives. We shouldn't be moping around and complaining about the hardships in our life. We should be pointing out to those who don't know God that knowing Him and having Him be front and center in our lives is awesome. And they should want that also. In David's day, in David's day, when they're bringing the, the, uh, the ark to Jerusalem, he could have sat around griping and complaining. He was trying to do something good. He could have sat there and said, you know what, I was trying to bring that ark up here so that the people could worship, and it just didn't go right, and things fell apart literally, and somebody died. I was trying to do a good thing. That's not how he reacted. He reacted by being humble enough to submit himself to the Lord's will as recorded in Scripture. Do it the proper way and then celebrate for the whole world to see when it did go right because he did it correctly. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 31 says, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. That's how David reacted. In the post-exile days, they had plenty, plenty that they could have complained about. You want to hear that whole story? Read Ezra, read Nehemiah. Lots of stuff going bad. The city was mostly still in ruins. The majority of the Jewish people had chosen not to return to the promised land, but stay where they were. The temple was supposed to be uh, rebuilt and, and, and for them to come and worship, and the majority of people had said, nah, not really interested. I'm kind of comfortable where I am. They could have complained that they were surrounded in Jerusalem when they were rebuilding, that they were surrounded by enemies on all sides who wanted them to fail, who were actively working for them to fail. They could have complained that they weren't very well off financially. In fact, we can see in Nehemiah that the majority of them were really poor. Or, They could rejoice and sing the praises of the Lord for everyone around them to hear so that the people who didn't know the Lord could see how magnificent he is in the lives of his people. He had delivered them from among the pagans and brought them back to Mount Zion, the city of David, and allowed them to build a new temple in which they could worship. In our own days, today, we could look around and see a lot that there is which we could complain about. Trust me, I'm right there with you. you, You read the news, you watch the news, you see things going on, you hear the way people talk, you see what people do to each other. There's lots that we could complain about. We live in a society which is continually turning to celebrate wickedness and evil. We live in a society in which division is worse than it was even 10 years ago. We live in a society where some people hoard billions of profits while others go lacking. We live in a society in which the worship of God is on the wane and most people aren't interested. Let me ask you something. Is it possible that one of the reasons that people aren't so interested in worshiping God at least a little bit is because when they see people who claim the Lord as their Savior, they hear more complaints and gripes than they do praises of His glorious name. Is that possible? What if, instead of that, we spent most of our time, because that's where our mindset was, praising God, for everything that is so wonderful in our lives. Earlier on, I told you that I'm amazingly blessed. And I am. I mean, you know the little kids' songs, count your blessings, name them one by one? Do it! Think about that. It's important to do that. I gave you a lot of reasons. They're all really good ones. I should be ashamed to walk around and not act like a little kid in a candy store with a spring in my step and a permanent smile blazoned on my face. I should be ashamed not to act that way with all the blessings that I have, with how pampered my entire existence has been. But I'll tell you something, I let Satan get me focused on the negatives more often than I should. I have so many blessings it's almost stupid. Someday they will write histories of what life was like in the late 20th and early 21st century for people in America. They'll be writing a history for the people of that time. Say, I don't know, if the Lord doesn't return, say, 500 years from now, they'll be writing what life was like. And the kids who are reading it will be like, oh, come on, please. Nothing's ever been that good. They'll be like, no, it's right here. And they're like, wait a minute. They could just go up to this magic window and it would open up and people would just hand them food it was all cooked and ready because they asked them to? Yep, all true. Oh, come on, that's ridiculous. People will be like, nobody can be that blessed. Nothing could be that good. I want to tell you a little bit of a story. I watched a video. This, this video might be 20 years old by now. Um, it is about the, um, the missionaries who made contact with this tribe in the Amazon. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. And the first missionaries that all went in there, they killed them all. Like they killed all the missionaries. And then I think it was either their wives or their kids went in later and made contact with the same people that had killed the first missionaries. And they brought them to Christ. And they got them to change their ways. Well, in the documentary about that, one of the tribal leaders, after that the tribe had been converted, he came back to the United States with these missionaries. This is a guy who had been, you know, in, in the jungles of the Amazon with no worldly possessions other than what he could make with his hands. And they brought him to the United States. And then they took him back there, and he was telling the people about what he saw. And he's telling them about when the people, the Americans, took them to a grocery store. Now think about this guy's mindset, okay? This is a guy who, if you eat it, it's because you caught it, you killed it, you dug it up, or you know, you raised it, or something like that. And he said, they would go through this place... And there's just food everywhere and you can just have it. They just let you go up to the front and you show it to somebody and then you just get to have it and it's ready to eat. And they said, no, 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 wait, no, no. That's not quite right. You know, we did have to pay for it. You know, we had to give them this this credit card and he says, that doesn't mean anything. I saw what happened. You gave it to them. They just gave it right back. The mindset that we should have is awe of the blessings that we have. And yet, what do most of us do most of the time? We concentrate on the things that aren't perfect. Now, I don't want to negate terrible things. There are absolutely terrible things that happen to some people. But most people in our society spend the vast majority of their life enjoying nothing but blessing. And we have a blessing that is far greater than that even, than these physical, wonderful blessings that we are so spoiled with. And that blessing is that even if the things of this world are taken away, if we are devastated financially, if our health fails, if we lose loved ones, the worst things that can happen, if those do happen, they do not take away the one blessing that I said overshadows all the others. Skip ahead to the Romans passage, please. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 8. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death In the first Chronicles 16 passage, it closes out this way. First Chronicles 16. I know I'm out of order upstairs. Sorry about that. First Chronicles 16, 34 through 36. I'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures how long? Forever. Say also, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. The world needs To hear us praising God's name, not just in song, not just on Sunday morning. They need to see it and hear it from people who act like they know how wonderful it is that everything else that we've been blessed with pales by comparison to the salvation that we can know only through Christ. When I was working on my sermon earlier this week, I looked up on the app that we have that, where everything's organized, and I saw that virtually all the songs for today were in line with what I was preaching on. And I texted Anne and I said, did you plan the songs according to what, we're, what I'm preaching on? And she says, but I don't remember. It's just how it should be not only should we be praising the lord in song here and it, let me point something out it doesn't matter if when you sing it sounds like you got hurt okay you should be singing out anyway just let somebody think you were hurt they can come up to you afterwards and say oh you're okay yeah i'm fine i was singing praises to the lord we should live our lives at our jobs, when we're out in public, when we're doing our grocery shopping, whatever it is, so that people see that we know that we are blessed amazingly by the Lord Most High. And that they say, something's different about that person. I wonder what it is. And if they know us long enough, They're going to say, you don't act like everybody else. You don't walk around kicking the stones and being mad. What's different? And your answer can be, I am blessed beyond all measure. Because Lord Jesus is in my life and I know what that means for eternity. And if you don't, you need to know. You need to know the Lord as your Savior. Don't put it off another day. Come forward as we stand and sing and give your life to Christ. Please stand.